Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to The Extra Point Show with sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550. It's really becoming Christmas season now. We're talking movies this morning. There's a Christmas tree out in the in the break room now. That was just there. Like, that was put up in the last few minutes. Because I walked in this morning and it was not there. And now there is candy out there. And there is a Christmas tree out there. And I've got the county executive on Twitter talking about the Light the Tree event. So... The music is pumping. The mu- the movies are starting to be passed around. I watched the Christmas movie last night. In the background, I should say. Wife watched the Christmas movie. I was watching some of it. I had the football game on the laptop, uh, at least for the first quarter. So, you know, I'm getting my Christmas fix a little bit as we are 20 days away. 8030550 is the phone number. It's the Extra Point Show. We roll along here on WGR this morning. Talk some Bills and Chiefs. I'll have my AFC Tuesday tiers, of course, coming up. Some movement after last night's debacle by the Jaguars. I'm going to call it that on on their behalf. The Jaguars, I've uh, gone to the wall defending Jacksonville. In the last year, year and a half, there was a graphic that they were putting up. um, Their graphic they were putting up on the game yesterday that they had the second best record in the NFL in the last 16 games. And then they go out and they lose to the Bengals with a backup quarterback. Um, So there's a lot to get to on that front and football-wise. I'll be at the hockey game tonight. 7.30 puck drop against the Red Wings. And, man, we could just use a vibes boost. Just could use a game where they looked like they did against the Rangers a couple of games ago, end a losing streak. Don't let it get to four. Don't let it start to build because, hey, there is still an optimistic view that can be taken. It's getting harder and harder to do it, but where would you stand now? It would be, well, they have one fewer point than they did last year at this time. And last year, they almost made the playoffs. So you can still rebound from it, but you're making it hard on yourself. If you don't end this losing streak now, start to rattle off a couple of wins in a row and get going earlier than they did last year. 8030550 is the phone number. Jody Biasi, Sal Capaccio off today. We'll go right to the phones on the Sabres. Tonight's game against the Red Wings. 
It is not good. It is not good right now. They don't win. They play a pretty boring style of hockey. They are not generating chances like they used to. They are not scoring goals like they used to. And it's leaving a lot of people looking for answers. John and Marilla will kick things off today. Hey, John. Yeah, hey, guys. Uh, In my opinion, the problem with the Sabres is that they're not lacking top six forwards. We have 12 top six forwards, like you guys mentioned earlier. The problem is we don't have bottom six forwards to enable those top six forwards to play the game the way they need to play it. And a perfect example is Dylan Cousins getting his nose broke against the toughest guy on Philadelphia. You know, when when I see one of our best players having to fight or getting in a fight, because we're getting our butts whooped, that that's that it, it it bugs the the heck out of me. We need to get some guys that can play the game physical to enable our guys with the skills to play the game. And and our our bottom our our fourth line, I'm sorry, you know he's a nice guy, captain or whatever. He's he's a step behind. Okay, he can't compete. We got to keep him in the lineup because he's the captain. He doesn't fight. He, he, if I see him on the uh, Oposo mm-hmm. on the power play again, I'm going to go bananas. Okay, this, this, we got to get some grit. We got a lot of tw- top twelve forwards. We need some guys like get Frederick from Boston. You know, how is Frederick going to help them score more goals? They're losing by five goals every night. That'll enable our top guys to be able to play the game because they're not worried about always getting crushed against the boards. It's it's pretty evident. We got we got no we got no grit. We need some sandpaper. We got tons of guys that can score. What what how they score last year then? They didn't have grit last year. And by the way, the Bruins. You mentioned they have Frederick. That's like the only guy they have. They are one of the smaller teams in the league now. So even they're going away from what you're saying. Teams don't act like this anymore. It's it's because all the guys on Boston are bigger. They don't get messed with. They're large body people. They're not small bottom six forwards. Our first line's a, a solid. First I, I don't line. know how you you somehow are equating that. You think Trent Frederick is the reason that David Pasternak, who is not a very big player, is scoring sixty goals a year, and Brad Marchand is scoring thirty goals a year? Like he doesn't even no, play on the same line. No, they're on the first line that people aren't going to mess with because they got guys throughout the lineup that are going to take care of people that mess with the first liners. Yeah, John, I don't buy it for a single second. Brad Marchand got smoked by Rasmus Dahlin earlier in the season. Does it mean anything to him? Does it mean anything to how many goals he scores? No. Dahlin literally went and took a run at Marchand with his back, and it started a scrum earlier in the year. Nobody nobody doesn't take a run at Brad Marchand or David Pasternak because they're worried about Trent Frederick, who's going to play six minutes. They're not even going to see him. He's not going to play. Sandpaper and grit. You know, they need to score. They need to score goals. They need to play the up-and-down style that they did last year. If they play... I think the most frustrating part for me is if they played... This year, like they were last year, the, the up and down the ice, all out aggression, and yeah, we're going to give up a bunch of chances in our own end. But we're f- high flying. We are a speed. We are a speed team. We are a skill team, and we're just you, that. Those are the teams that other teams are afraid of. The Sabers come into your building, and, guys. We got to be careful. We can get blown out here. They they could put up seven any given night. 
because they've been doing it. That's what real terror is walking in to play a team like that. And this year, they don't have any of that. But they have better goaltending. And that is the biggest frustration is, last year, their biggest problem, or one of their biggest problems, was none of their goaltenders stepped up until Devin Levi showed up with a week to go in the season. To be fair, I feel like the goaltending, while it has been a lot better, the nights that the offense is on, the goaltending is just completely missing. Like, well, like whenever the Sabres can score over two or three goals, they have to score seven to win. A little bit. I mean, part of that is you're giving up more chances, right? Like, part of that is you're giving up more chances. Right. But, but like, when they beat the Rangers 5-1 to one the other night, or I guess they don't have a lot of games like this on the season. Toronto was another game like this. you got to trust your goaltenders that they're going to make a couple more saves than the other team. And that you're going to give up three, four goals. And your goalie can still have a good night giving up three, four goals. There are numbers that try to break down, you know, like not just, hey, how many goals did your goalie let in? No, let's look at more than that. How many chances were given up? In what areas were the chances given up? The quality of the scoring chances? And now how do they look compared to what's expected of them? And in those regards, Lukanen is playing a lot better than he was last year. And... This version of Lukanen last year, yeah, he would be giving up more goals. He'd probably be giving up three or four in given games. Maybe two or three more often, because last year it was four or five every night. And maybe this year, yeah, there'd be games where he'd let in two, there'd be games he'd let in three. But this version of Lukanen with last year's offense, and they'd be reaching the expectation of what you want for them, what you hope for them. It's just another phase of the drought, the Sabres drought, where they did the work to get you to buy back in. And maybe this time will be different where this is a lull and they'll rebound, they'll get Thompson healthy. We got some good news on him this morning from Don Granado that Tage is going to skate and maybe even he's back this week into game action. And Tuck's only going to be a week, so they maybe avoided a big injury there. And Greenway's only going to be about another week. And, oh, look, Jack Quinn now is going to start skating with the team. And the impression Granado left this morning was if he looks good and says that he feels good in those practices, that they might move up the timeline for his return to before the new year. So at some point, They're going to get these forwards back. And that's a lot of goals that they're not going to have in their lineup tonight that they had last year. I mean, think of of the number of goals that they're not going to have that they had last year. Thompson, that is a 47-goal scorer that will not be in their lineup tonight against the Red Wings. They are not going to have Alex Tuck. That is, what, 36 goals that he had last year? You've got Quinn. Quinn was not a massive difference maker last year, but 13 in his own right. Greenway was only a couple, so you don't really need to count him. That's 100 goals. Poof. They just vanished from your lineup. So injuries are a part of it, but it's not all of it. The guy that I continue to look at is Cousins. And I'm a little bit more optimistic because what I saw from him against Nashville, was a player that is knocking on the door. He could have had, he had five scoring chances in that game. Um, 
10 shot attempts, 8 on goal. Like, he was all over the over Saros. Again, probably should have had a goal or two. He's sitting on 4 for the season. Far below his expectation. Far below what he did last year, scoring 31. I mean, they needed him to step up in Thompson's absence, and it really hasn't happened. But, you know, it's not just him. It's the whole team. It really is the whole team. You just don't have the faith. You don't have the confidence that they can they can come back in these games. And they need to because they keep getting down early. Like one of two things needs to happen. They either need to stop giving up goals in the first couple of minutes. Or they need to be a team that is capable of coming back. Last year, they were a team capable of coming back because they could play run and gun, and they could go up and down the ice, and they could score goals. And this year, they get down 2 nothing, and it's happening a lot, and it feels like it's just over. And I know they came back against Pittsburgh. Like There are a game or two here and there where they're able to accomplish it, but not at the regularity that you need it to be. Just looking through some of these stats on the year. Peyton Krebs. One goal. Finally scored his first goal. It's another guy to look at. Cousins has more of an expectation because he's scored 30 before, but I'll look at Peyton Krebs. Guy was a focal point of a Jack Eichel trade, the number one prospect of that trade that was brought in, and the Golden Knights didn't want to part with him. They finally were able to get him off that team. And first-round pick, good hands. Good offensive skill set. He gets a little bit of power play time here and there. This year, he's had a couple of chances to play in the top six. On the wing, I think, when that happened. And we're sitting 23 games and he's got one goal. One goal. Olofsson. Olofsson's starting to play a little bit better. He finally scores on the penalty shot the other night. It's funny, that's one area where I would always have confidence in him. Is He's always been a good shootout player. But he's sitting on three goals. That guy had 28 for you last year. I didn't even think he was very good while scoring the 28 goals, but he got you to 28 goals. And this year he's sitting on three. I mean, those guys right there. There are more names I could thrust into this, but Cousins, Olafson, Krebs. Let's keep playing this game. Any group of players that you want, almost any, and you're going to find your answer to this. That is, that's eight goals this year from those three players. Last year... Last year, 68 goals between those three players. 68 down to 8. And we're more than a quarter of the way through the season. That is massive, massive regression. Why is that happening? And part of part of their... You know, there's, there's different elements here. I think there are three key elements as to why the season is going this direction. And number one, I already kind of touched on his injury. Number one is the amount of injuries they've had, especially up front. Number two is they have important players that they were either asking to progress, like a Krebs, or guys that have regressed, like an Olison, a Cousins, a Tuck, if you want. He's down on his uh, pace from last year. There are a lot of guys that are regressing. So, Injuries one, regression is another, and a third key element is the roster build itself. It is this continued notion that 
the team can't make moves and can't make a move to get better because there is some risk to a long-term vision in play. That if you move a prospect or two out of the deepest forward prospect group in the league, that suddenly the whole future plan is at risk. When, if you look at it, I continue to believe there is no team that is better suited and there is no fan base that is more deserving of a move to get better right now than the Buffalo Sabres. And that second point, I think, needs to be emphasized. The fans have earned it. The fans deserve it. The longer they go with a patient approach as they let a team simmer and potentially take multiple more seasons to become a great team, not even just a good team, not a team that finds their way into an eighth spot in the playoffs, but winning something real. I mean, that is the whole thing here, right? It's not, if, if they wanted to just get in, they could have done it. They could have traded, you know, for a bunch of rentals and brought in a bunch of free agents. You know, if you did that in large volume, you could you could get in. But what's the point? You're not going to win anything big doing that. The goal here is, well, why did I sign Cousins to seven years? Why did I sign Thompson? Why did I sign, you know... Why did I sign Samuelson and Darlene? It's because this foundation of players is going to be good enough to win more than just getting in the playoffs. Win series. Win conferences. Divisions. Cups. It's the point, right? It's the whole point. But you don't have to go all in. You don't have to go so conservative where there's no move to be made. There's never a move to be made. They tried for Patrick Kane, so I shouldn't say they didn't try for anything. They tried to do that. But that's one where you're getting them for free. You're not really risking anything. You're, you know, you're you put your name in for a contest. You didn't spend anything. You just you walked by a sign that said, "Hey, if I text this number here, then I'm entered into a contest to win 50 bucks." Oh, cool. That was the Patrick Kane thing. Where is the willingness to spend on any level? Any level. You don't got to floor it. Just tap the gas a little bit. Because again, the fans have earned it. And this team is watching people leave the building one after the other. They had a tough job out of COVID. You had a COVID shutdown that you saw season ticket numbers drop. And, I mean, for a time, the border was closed. You had an entire area, an entire region of your fan base that couldn't even get to you. And what happened as they came out of COVID was the building was empty. And there was a lot of repairing to do. And they were starting to do it. They even, you know, I still want to, I don't want to say it's over. They were starting to do it, though. Slowly but surely. They were doing well. The team was on the on the rise. And people were getting bought in. And it was a group that hadn't let them down yet, which I always thought was a big key 
to why people were beginning to return. And suddenly, you know, you see the attendance numbers start to creep up from it was down at one point to like 8,000, 7,000 to, okay, now I'm at like 12, 13, even on like a Tuesday night when you typically won't see as high of an attendance number. And then, oh, my Friday and Saturday games now, more to like 16,000 and... Again, the arrow is trending up, not just for the team, but you're getting fans re-engaged, winning back the fan base. But then, no action. And the team is completely relying on the youngest group in the league, more experienced than they have been before, but the youngest group in the league, to capitalize on all that goodwill and not let it Go for not. Because any, I mean, the way that, that this works, and I think this is deserved, is you go on a 13-year, a 12-year playoff drought, and you're not going to get a lot of the benefit of the doubt. You know, you'll get some, and for two years it's been, okay, we understand that this is a pro, this is a, a slow build, and it's all young guys, and look, there, there are signs of improvement, and there are things to be excited about, so we're good. Fans have been patient. Fans have been very patient with this team, and this, this, the, this iteration of the Sabres. Out of COVID, post-Jack Eichel, they've been very patient. For having the longest drought in hockey, they've been pretty darn patient as a group. And now it's year three. Now it's go time. They've said it. They know it. Everybody knows it. The fans know it. The national media knows it. I got Friedman talking about it on his podcast once a week. Like, everybody knows this is the year where, okay, let's capitalize on the goodwill and let's, let's bring them all back. Let's fill up the building. And to do that, you got to win. You got to win. There's no excuse. You've got to win. It's not about development anymore. It's about winning. And what did they do? They brought back the same pieces, the same team. There were opportunities to make this team better. They could have so easily moved on from two of the three, three of the three between Kyle Poso, Zemgus Gergensen, and Victor Olofsson. You've, listen, the forward group is crowded, right? And it's going to get more crowded. Kulik's down there in Rochester and Rosine's with the team now, but I'm sure he'll go back, but eventually he'll come up and here's Benson, you know, earning a spot. And there's other prospects. There's a bunch of other prospects in the organization that might one day push for forward spots. But where do they stand right now? Where do they stand right now? They had opportunity. They had room to go out and get better. They had room to, all right, let's push in just a little bit. You know, I got a nice hand here. I'm sitting here at the table, and I got a king and a jack. And you checked. And then you checked again. And then, oh, I got a pair of kings. Checked again. They keep checking. They got a good hand, and they keep checking. They refuse to put any chips in the middle. They just continue to not do it. And at some point, I have to think that's going to happen. How could it not? Because by the time, at this rate, the way it looks, by the time all of this starts to come together, again, not to just being a decent team, let's get into the playoffs, but a real NHL team that's goal is not just to squeak in, but is to actually win something big, there's not going to be any fans left. The building will be empty. By, by that point, 
You're it, you're gonna have gone so through so much, you know, lose l- resentment that it's gonna sting. And yeah, they'll come back. I mean, if they make the playoffs, it'll come back. I'm not saying it won't, but it'll get ugly on the way, and it'll be a lot. It'll be more years of of suffering, right? More years. And the Sab- the fans, the fan base does not deserve that. They do not deserve that. So moves to be made. That's number three. It's injuries. It is regression, and that's that day. Two of the three. That's more. That's more than half. But part of it is the team hasn't had opportunities to not bring back Victor Olison, to not bring back Kyle Poso, to not bring back Zemgis Girgensons, and they chose to bring back all of them. Everyone. That it's unbelievable that they were willing to do that. That there hasn't been a move out there that they liked just enough. You know, Timo Meyer was available for a time, and maybe Debrinkit was never really available because he's wanted to go home to Detroit. Um, there have been moves out there. And it's time to execute one of them. And the next time a guy becomes available, to me it would be nuts to think the Sabres are not in on that. They have to know this. They have to understand that. I mean, Calgary... If you want a quick example of like, well, who's available at a time like this? Well, Calgary's about to go through a fire sale. Everybody wants off that team. That team is not good. They're going to sell everything. And when they do, there's a guy on that team that plays center and right wing named Elias Lindholm. He's a 60 to 70 point player on a yearly basis. He's a, on the final year of a deal at 29 years old. And I already know there's some voice out there and there is some take out there that, well, I don't know, 29 years old and he's in a contract year. I mean, one, I don't even know if I'm going to keep this guy. Might be your rental. And two, I don't want to pay a 29-year-old, give him a six-year contract until he's age 30. That's a terrible contract. I, and you'd be making fair points. And my counter would be, it's if you keep waiting for the perfect move, you're never going to make a move. If you keep looking for problems rather than looking for positives. If you want to look for the little problem, or even if it's a big one, but look for the problem in every move that it could be made, then you're never going to make one. It'll never happen. You'll never get there. At some point, you got to pull the trigger on something that you know isn't perfect because it's going to help your team right now. And if they traded an Isaac Roseanne or a Noah Osland or one of these first-round prospects that they have that aren't here yet off their team, and they got... Elias Lindholm, for example, their team would be would be better right now. And even if they lost the guy in six months, tell me that the team isn't still on track. Tell me that they're suddenly doomed to not be competitive, to not be a playoff team. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? 
Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Not be a division winner someday because they traded their sixth best forward prospect off the roster. They got a ton of money in the bank in terms of the picks and the prospects. And what good is it if you just let it sit there for eternity? Spend it. 803-0550, if you're on hold, stay there. We'll get to you when we come back. Let's get to the Bills in, uh, in a little bit here. Bills and Chiefs on Sunday. I got my AFC Tuesday tiers coming your way as well. Jody Biasi, Extra Point Show. This is WGR. Victor Olofsson. You see Soros one-on-one. Olofsson carries across the line. Between the circles, Olofsson scores! Sabres forward Victor Olofsson scoring in the penalty shootout. The penalty shot, I should say. By the way, should text Mike about this, I'm sure. We have a bet up here on the bet board that Jeff Skinner, I say Jeff Skinner will never take a shootout attempt again. It says shootout. I don't think I even have to clarify, right? If he scored on a penalty shot. That wouldn't count. That wouldn't count. It's regulation. Right. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah, I don't even think I really need clarification on it. We're talking some Sabres here. We'll get to some football in a little bit. I got my Tuesday tiers coming up at 11, but first your phone calls at 803-0550. Jerry and Kenmore is next up. What's up, Jerry? Hey, uh, you know, you know what? Uh, the guy that called earlier that was talking about the amount of grit on the team and space. Um, it, it's a long way to get to it, but I was watching this video the other day about a college professor that did uh, work with Naval Seals. She went and watched Spelling Bees. She went and watched tryouts for a college lacrosse team. Do you know the number one factor in success? It's not talent. It's not how smart you are. It's not your DNA. It's your grit. How hard do you try? And think about everyone you've ever known that was uber talented in a sport. How many of them know what grit really is? Because they've coasted through high school and been just the best player on the field all the time. And they've gone through juniors and been the best player in juniors. And how hard have they really had to work? How many have that? And now they're on a field where everybody has a very similar talent level. And they've never been in that situation ever before, ever. And it's why all-star games don't, all-star teams sometimes don't win. It's because the level of compete and the grit isn't there. And think about your average everyday life and people you work with. It's the people that try the hardest that are the most successful. And that's what's missing on this team. You have all these high draft picks. And how many, and how do you measure grit or level of compete when they were 17, 18, 19 years old before you're drafting them. How, how, is this, how is this any different, though, than every other team in the NHL? Because we don't have that mix. We have all these uber-talented high draft picks right now. We don't have anybody that had to work really hard. Who are the best coaches in sports? People you, that worked hard. You don't think Pey- Peyton Krebs was a first-round pick that tore his Achilles and then had to go through a two-year rehab. You don't think he had to work hard to get to the National Hockey League? Like and there and that's it's one example of a million stories like that on this team. I have a question to you about Peyton Krebs. Okay. His entire life, he's been an amazing skater and had amazing hands. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you but think, again, why, why is that different than the Bruins fourth liner that also grew up as the best player and juniors? And he, by the way, again, watch the Bruins; they're not gritty anymore. But I guarantee you that that fourth player was never the number one prospect in any organization like Peyton Krebs was. 
the, the mix is wrong here. You need role players that make space that show show you how to you know how to show you how to go to the rink and say my knee hurts, but I'm still going to play tonight and I'm going to work my butt off. Dude, I I don't I think this is in, this is utter nonsense, utter nonsense. The Sabres players don't work hard is the most disrespectful thing I have heard said about professional athletes in months on this station. Give me a break. I mean, I'm 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 sitting here with my jaw on the floor, flabbergasted. They were drafted high, so clearly they didn't work hard to get to this level. Are you freaking kidding me? That's why they're not good? Okay, sure. The Avalanche have more high draft picks than any team in hockey, and they've been the best team for three years in a row. But do they work hard? I don't... I, I can't believe it. It's not work ethic. We do this in hockey. Why do we do this in hockey and not other sports? I don't even understand it. It doesn't make any sense. They're professional athletes. And go through each... Dylan Cousins. Okay, here's one. Dylan Cousins. The seventh overall draft pick. He goes back to Whitehorse during the summer, and you've got videos every day on his Instagram where he's lifting tires up and down hills, and he's working out, like, in the river. Like, oh, okay, but he doesn't work hard enough. That must be right. Jeff Skinner. Again, maybe I, maybe maybe part of this is I'm on, I'm on social media, and I see these guys when they are posting it themselves daily. Jeff Skinner. Is Jeff Skinner, I mean, he's kind of a rat player, right? But he's not gritty. He's not going to the wall and creating space like we're talking here. Jeff Skinner, again, same thing, social media, multiple times, all the time through the summer. Oh, he's working out at this Toronto complex with a bunch of other NHL players where they're on teams where that doesn't get said. But what's the difference? He's doing the same thing. He's doing the same workout regimen. He's working the same amount. But oh, but he doesn't work hard because what? He was a first round pick and because he's a goal scorer? Complete nonsense. I know cousins said they're soft. So that's what we're gonna we're gonna run with now. And I don't believe it for a second. These teams that keep coming up as, well, this team's gritty, and this team's got guys like that, and, you know, like, th- th- no one's built like that anymore. The teams that are built like that stink. You know why the Flyers have been bad for three years? Because that is what the Flyers have been trying to become. And even this year, like, everyone's like, oh, it's finally paying off, and they're starting to win, and ev- everyone knew it was fraudulent, and they're already falling back. Why? Because they played guys like Nick Delorier. But I'm sure Nick Delorier worked three times harder to get to the National Hockey League than Zach Benson did. And that's why the Flyers have two more wins than the Sabres do right now. Listen, they got Jordan Greenway. They bought into this a little bit. They're saying it might not be completely, you know, completely moot point. They went out and they traded for Jordan Greenway. They spent a second round pick to just get bigger. Right to give them more of that, to give them more of that sandpaper, and to get them a little bit more of that grit in the bottom six. So they've done this. They've made a move like this. And again, you're not finding teams that are building their team that way. To think that because they have too much talent, too many first-round guys, that 
that's suddenly a pro. I just I can't believe it. All right, let's go back to the phones. I'm lost for words. Let's go to Tim in Connecticut. What's up, Tim? Yes, um, thanks for having me on. Um, I live near New York, um, Buffalo fan through and through. Um, my approach is more of like a psychological aspect, maybe generalities, but abundance thinking rather than scarcity thinking. I think is that Sabers need even sometimes the bills, but our fan base is so enamored in having a, I shouldn't speak for the whole fan base, but um, having a team that gets along together, the players, a a culture, right? Um, Maybe the GM uh, ownership falls in love with our players, um, wants to treat them well. They have their own reputations to uphold for the future. Uh, And so I'm your New York. I mean, it's ruthless here. New York teams are just ruthless. You know that. Um, So they're all bottom line, you know, competition win at all costs. Um, And maybe we're just, like I say, into the team concept. Everyone get along. um, And it's got to get a little tougher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I mean, I don't know if I'm about tougher, but, yeah, there's a lot of that going on, right? Like, again, Cousins kind of started this train when he said that they kind of play soft or whatever the exact verbiage that he used. But look at, look at the team they're playing tonight. Look at the team they're playing tonight. Show me the guy on their team that you think this is. Who's the Greenway that they have? Who's even the Ukposo, the Gergensons, the guy that's going to win the battles along the wall? Look, look at their lineup. Look at, look at their bottom six, too, because their top guys are skilled guys. DeBrinket and Robbie Fabry and Larkin and Lucas Raymond, who's like a 19-year-old Swede, and you know down the lineup. Daniel David? Sprong is on the fourth line. That guy was drafted as a goal scorer in the first round. David, or maybe high second round. David Perron might be the closest to like a that, Jordan Greenway type, but he's still been a, a point goal, scorer. That dude's been a goal scorer his entire career. He's been a point producer his entire career. I'm looking at the Red Wings lineup right now, and I don't know every single player through and through, but I'm telling you by looking at their lineup right now, they don't have it. They don't have this. So why is their record what it is? Could it just be that they can score goals? It's really all this is. All of this is cover for they're not scoring like they did last year. That's it. Top four defensemen, goaltender, if you want to bring those up too, because those were problems in the offseason that they didn't really address all that much. And, you know, maybe they're not perfect, but they might be a little bit better there. I don't know. You can mention those. They're not where they are, where they should be in the standings, because they're simply not scoring like they were last year. That's it. It's not rocket science. There's not much more to figure out. There's no culture problem. There's no, you know, lack of grit being the reason that they're not where they are. They're just not scoring. That's it. Look at what they do on the power play. They try to make too many cross-ice passes. They don't move around as much on the power play. There's, there's a few goals right there. The way, how stagnant they are on the power play. There's one. I mean, injuries. It's another. I mentioned that. How about the fact that Alex Tuck, every time he gets the puck on the wall now, is shooting right at the goalie's chest? There's no intent to make a nice play anymore by those guys. How about how Skinner, Skinner last year, best playmaking season of his career. He was always finding open guys. How about now how every time he tries to make a pass, he's scoring, so he's doing that again, but every time he tries to make a nice pass, it gets taken away. And he's turning the puck over at will. 
Is that more indicative of why they are where they are in the standings, or it's because what? It's because Brandon Byro is not six five, or because JJ Paterka didn't work hard enough early in his life. What's the bigger problem? Is the bigger problem that I got Kyle Poso out trying to tie a hockey game with two minutes to go against Nashville on Sunday? I know it's a little bit of injury. That's not the bigger reason. I mean, what else? There, there's so many of these. There's so many of these. You don't need to force these old school hockey points that just don't exist anymore. They don't. I mean, I'm watching the league on an almost nightly basis, and teams do not play like that anymore. It doesn't happen. I don't. I'm trying to find the team to help you out here. I don't know who it is. Vegas doesn't play like it. Like Florida is maybe the one that you could say because their best player plays like that. Matthew Kachuk, like he does it. Are we gonna Are we gonna do this for the next eight years while Matthew Kachuk's a Florida Panther? We're all gonna wish they had Matthew Kachuk. I wish they had Matthew Kachuk. And he does all that stuff. But that's he's not normal. And again, look at their lineup. I don't know they have another guy like that. They got, got Reinhardt, right? No one would say that about him. Evan Rodriguez is on that team. Maybe it's, maybe it's Kachuk. I don't know. If you're on hold... Stay there. We'll get to you right when we come back. Michael Walter in Toronto. Uh, stay tuned. We'll get you when we come back. We got uh, Tuesday tears coming up in the 11 o'clock hour and a lot more to get to. Bills and Chiefs, of course, coming up on Sunday. So we'll get to that as well. Jody Biasi, it's the Extra Point Show. This is WGR. Very quickly, some interesting lines at practice before we get to phone calls. Skinner, Middlestat, and Thompson. Thompson just took Tuck's spot uh, on that line, which I don't really think gives us a good read for tonight. Tage is not expected to play tonight. Um, but there's no other forward that I see that they're just putting up there. So I have no idea who's playing with Middlestat and Skinner tonight. Olsen, maybe. And then maybe Ryan Johnson's your seventh because he was skating with Bryson. Man, if Ryan Johnson is scratched tonight... What a mistake. That guy's good. He's good almost every night. And Eric Johnson and Connor Clifton are bad almost every night. I mean, that, that should be a layup. 803-0550 is the phone number. Let's go to Michael in Buffalo. What's up, Michael? Hey, how's it going, man? Never called in before, first time. Uh, but I just wanted to give my piece. Thanks, man. We've had a terrible organization now for the last 10 years, and it starts at the top. Uh, we have Kevin Adams and Don Granado. Don Granado is a junior head coach. He is not a leader of men. This team needs a coach, a strong-willed coach, who is going to come in and hold these boys accountable. They are not men yet. They are young players. Granado had success early on because he's good at leading young people. Uh, it brings me back to a, a lightning game I went to earlier in the season. In between TV timeouts, Vasilevsky skates over to the bench, and he talks to his defenseman, talks to his head coach. We have a, a, a boy who acts like he's Yoda. A strong coach is going to tell him to come to the bench and talk to the team. We re-signed Kyle Oposo as the captain 
We need a winning mentality. The guy's never won anything his whole career. Eric Johnson was debatably one of the worst number one overall picks ever. He was on the team when Colorado was terrible. And then Don Granado has a, a hand in signing players. Clifton was a healthy scratch for Boston in the playoffs. The only reason he's on the team is because he was coached by Granado and juniors. I mean, our organization is, is ran terribly from the top to the bottom right now. The team needs a strong coach to hold the young men accountable. Thanks, Michael, for the call. Uh, I do not fully agree or I think, you know, I laughed at the Yoda thing. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that either, but hey, you have the right to it. What this team's done, not even just this year, but for a decade, you have every right to that. Every right to that anger, every right to that frustration. I, where I don't agree is on Granado, And I think, you know, my opinion on Granado is you can win with him as your head coach. The style that he deep down wants to play, his ability to get the most out of players, sure, that might not be happening with Connor Clifton right now. In fact, it almost certainly is not. But it's been happening with a lot of other guys. So I do want to believe in his player development. And if you want to tell me that he's not a good enough leader of men, that's one where I don't know the answer. So I would cede to the players for that and... All you hear, basically, is that the players would basically riot if he wasn't the coach. So they disagree. So I'll go with them on that, but I guess I can't know. Uh, Walter in Toronto's next. Hey, Walter. Hey, uh, kudos to the previous caller, uh, Mike. I mean, first-time caller. He brought the thunder. Way to go. Um, yeah. I just, I just wanted to say, I think uh, – I think – I think the league last year was was caught off guard by the Sabers, uh, whereas this year the league they 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 knew what the, what they're dealing with. They, and then there was a lot of uh, you know a lot of hype. You know they, they missed the playoffs by one point, whereas last year the Sabers was taken lightly, and then all these events came together like Thompson. You know, broke out. Uh, did he get like six points in one one game once? Yep. Uh, yes, you know, and then and then uh, uh, Skinner. You know, he he excels because he left that old regime and Tuck is revitalized. And not to mention Dallin, who Dallin, who's uh, you know finally shown what his promise uh, has always been. And and the league wasn't ready for that last year. And you know, the, the Sabers would get would get up early in the first period. They have all these. Sure, they were scored on, but they scored. This year, the league's like, okay, all right, we know how to deal with the Sabers. We're, you know, we, we've kind of we're not going to let that happen twice. And I think I think tonight's game, you know, you if Detroit gets down, they'll come back. They've they've come back from four goal deficits. The Red Wings, they're a scrappy team. They're where the where they are. And I think someone said this earlier. They were they are right now where I thought the Sabers would be this year. So I don't know. I don't know what a disconnect is. Thanks, Walter. Thanks for the call. The um, I I don't. I, I like a lot of your stuff there. I don't necessarily agree fully on the Red Wings. Um, I do think they're getting a little lucky. In fact, maybe a lot lucky. And this did happen last year. Last year they were high in the standings, and you would look at their numbers and go, "Okay, wait a minute. They're not really generating a lot of chances." They're not really that good in the power play. They're 
goalies don't even have great numbers. So what what's really happening there? And there are some numbers that can kind of figure that out. PDO is one. It's literally just save percentage combined with shooting percentage, which are the two numbers in the league that are most, you know, vulnerable to kind of have ebbs and flows. And they're second in the league right now. Like, they're at a pretty unsustainable rate of how what percentage of shots they score on and the amount of saves that they're getting from goalies that you don't typically get this from. So I think the Red Wings are still... I would pick them to miss the playoffs, despite the fact they're in a spot. It's very early, I know. Um, I'm not intimidated by the Red Wings. The Sabres are the Sabres should be better than the Red Wings. Should be is a big, uh, you know, a big part of that though, because they're not right now, but they should be. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty. Uh, we'll keep rolling through some hockey calls here. If you're on hold, stay there. We'll get through you, and then uh, we'll get to my Tuesday tiers afterwards. Jody Biasi, Extra Point Show. This is WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.